I'm Alexi Mostras, the journalist behind Sweet Bobby, and I've got a new investigative podcast called Hoaxed. It's the story of a lie that turned into the most serious conspiracy theory to hit Britain in decades, and the people who got sucked up into its vortex. Search for Hoaxed to listen today. Six-year-old Aji Dessa came from a hard-working family who lived in a close-knit community in Immokalee, Florida, which is near the Florida Everglades. Everyone knew Aji and the other children were protective over the mentally disabled little boy. So how did Aji, a boy with a capacity of a two-year-old, disappear from this gated community one January afternoon 12 years ago? How did he escape through fences and dense brush when people were out in their yards, yet no one saw anything, and Aji has never been seen again? This is Aji's story. He was playing in his grandmother's front yard and literally just disappeared. Look at that sweet little boy there. And now we know that he went outside to play with his friends around 5.15 in the evening, and when his grandmother went outside to check on him, he was gone. The other children he was with say all of a sudden they just noticed Aji wasn't there. The family searched for about two hours before calling the police at 7.15. Police spent a week searching that area. They even used sonar. They came up with nothing. Aji's family is from Haiti, and as you can imagine, his mother is just heartbroken. I'm crying every day. I don't ever sleep. God, I wanted a child and you gave me a child. Now, what makes this case even more difficult for authorities is that Aji's extremely disabled. He has the mental capacity of a two-year-old. He doesn't speak or understand English. He does understand Creole, but he doesn't speak it. And he knows his name, but he can't say it. What's most difficult is that he may hide. Angie Dessa was born October 15, 2002, to parents Maria Nadalia and Eve Dessa in Naples, Florida. Eve was never really part of little Angie's life. Maria's pregnancy was a result of a three-month trip back to Haiti to visit family, where she had a short fling with Eve and this resulted in Angie. Several years later, Maria falls in love with and marries Angie's stepfather, Natalie Lant, and they settle into life at the farm worker village in Immokalee, Florida. Maria's mother, Adji's grandmother, Jessela, was a big part of her grandson's life. She would babysit for Adji while Maria went to work as an aged care worker at a local nursing home, and Natalie went to work as a dishwasher at the local pizza parlour. Immokalee is in Collier County in Florida, which is close to the Florida Everglades and everything that comes with that. So, alligators, you know where I'm going with this. In 2009, Immokalee had a population of about 20,000 people. This area is very poor, and many illegal immigrants take up residence here, so it has an ever-changing population. There are large spaces of undeveloped land, which is leased to people for camping and hunting wild boar, clack panthers and coyotes. It is very rural and basically in the middle of nowhere. 
but where Adji and his family lived. It is considered more of a gated neighbourhood of about 350 community housing developments. This is solely for legal immigrants or US citizens, mainly farm workers of Hispanic or Haitian descent. To be approved for a home at the farm worker village, residents are heavily screened before they move in. There is a zero tolerance for violent crimes in this community. So if you live here and commit a crime or even have an association with someone who has committed a crime, you run the risk of being kicked out. All in all, the farm worker village is considered safe in a close-knit community. And as I said, it was gated. There was a four-foot fence surrounding the community, and on the other side was dense brush. There is one road in and one road out that leads to a major highway. It is in walking distance to the Everglades, but to even get there, the most athletic of adults would struggle to navigate through that dense brush. The fence has seen better days, and there were some holes, but again, the brush was that dense and that prickly. It would deter most from trying to walk through it. Adji was considered mentally disabled, and in 2002, when he disappeared, he was functioning at a level you would expect from a two-year-old. Adji was completely non-verbal, and he would communicate through gestures and sounds, nodding his head in agreement and shaking his head to show his displeasure. Adji knew his name but could not say it. Adji did have a thorough understanding of those around him, and he was bilingual, meaning he could understand both English and Haitian Creole. Because of this, Aji would never stray far from home. But because the area was considered safe and the local children were very protective of Aji, it is a Haitian culture to allow children more freedom. So Aji was allowed to play in his front yard and the communal playgrounds without adult supervision. But even when out playing, Aji would frequently go back inside to check in with his grandmother. Always seemingly happy and excited to play with the other children. His mother would later say that her Spider-Man-loving Gigi smiled a lot. Or he would go back inside to get one of his favourite snacks of cornflakes or cookies. Most likely due to his diminished language skills, Aji was also very hesitant and wary of strangers and would have a tendency to hide when he felt uncomfortable or scared. January 10th, 2009. Aji was spending the day with his grandmother, Jessela, while his mother went to work. This was just your typical day. Aji was outside playing with the neighbourhood children, who were all aged between four and six years old. They were playing basketball and riding their bikes. Jessela was happy that Adji was happy, and he would come inside regularly for hugs and for snacks. Jessela last saw Adji at 5.15. He was just outside their home playing football, tossing a football with another child around his own age. But then not long after this, the boy's older brother came in to get him for dinner, leaving Adji standing alone around a hundred feet from his grandmother's home. Jessela came outside again to fetch him at around 5.45pm for dinner, and he was nowhere to be found. 
She saw the other children still playing, but not her grandson. Around this time, Aji's stepfather, Natal, had returned. He had been down the road doing his laundry at the local wash house. Natal hadn't seen anything unusual, and he had not seen Aji. The two frantically began looking for the little boy. Their search would take them until around 7.30, with neighbours joining in to look for the small boy. I honestly believe they thought they would find him fairly quickly. As I said, it was not easy to leave this community. The children were questioned by the adults in the community and then again later by police, but they said they didn't see anything. No strange people, no strange cars. It was just that one minute Adji was there. He wanted to use one of their bikes, but was told no. This seemed to upset him, and then the next minute, he was gone. The children did not think much of it. They just thought Adji had gone back home. And it would be two hours later, after Adji was last seen at 7.30pm, when the police were called and he was reported missing. With the new Asda Rewards app, you earn pounds, not points, to spend in store and online. Download it now to start building your cash pot and feel like a winner. App and mobile data required. Full terms and conditions at asda.com slash rewards. Selected Asda stores and products subject to availability. Asda pounds must be spent at Asda in-store or online. Excludes George.com. The police would show up immediately. This will not be one of those cases where we will be highly critical of the police. The Collier County Sheriff's Office were at the Farm Workers' Village within minutes, and an extensive search of the community and surrounding areas were arranged. While the media could have done more in Little Adji's case, to give his disappearance more of a platform, the Collier County Sheriff's Office could honestly have done no more. Law enforcement would question residents and they would be hesitant to talk and claim to have not seen anything unusual that afternoon. And while this was most likely the case, but there was some distrust of the police by the residents, as most did not speak English and were immigrants. And again, the Collier County Sheriff's Office were very proactive with this, starting an initiative called the Triangle of Trust bringing in officers from Hispanic and Haitian backgrounds to work on the relationship between law enforcement and this community. Now, there was a concern that Adji would not come if called. As mentioned before, Adji was very afraid of people he didn't know and he would hide immediately. They searched trash cans and underbrush, anywhere a small child could hide, and because there was that concern that if a law enforcement officer called for Adji, that he wouldn't come to them. So they had his grandmother on a PA system calling for him and telling him that it was okay and that it was safe and for him to come home. Adji's mother, Maria, arrived home to pick up Adji around midnight. This would be when she would discover her son was missing which would have been heartbreaking because I know what I would have felt like, what it could have meant if I found out earlier, what could I have done 
and would have that made the difference needed to find my child earlier. Now, unfortunately, the family did not have a photo of Adji to give the police to circulate, which is not unusual for a low socioeconomic family, and especially of the Haitian culture. Technology like smartphones, it isn't seen a priority, so photos aren't as accessible. Thankfully, Adji's teacher at the Village Oaks Elementary School had his school photo from that year, and this is the main photo you will see if you Google Adji. An Amber Alert was not issued in the case because Adji's disappearance did not fit the requirements. In order for an Amber Alert to be issued, there has to be very clear evidence a child has been taken, and there is a suspect vehicle description. But since none of the children playing with him saw anything suspicious, there was, and still is, the possibility Adji just wandered off. But more about that when we talk about theories. But what they could issue was an endangered missing advisory. And if you listen to my other podcast, Dark Society, we talk about these type of alerts in our Ryan Larson episode, which I'll link in the show notes. But basically, what being on the endangered missing advisory means is that Adji becomes part of the state's missing person system, instead of just the local one. This allows law enforcement nationwide to access records regarding his disappearance. It puts more eyes on the case. A hundred and fifty police officers and the FBI searched extensively for one whole week. They conducted a gridline search over a five-mile radius on horseback with ATVs and on foot, walking shoulder to shoulder. Canals in the nearby Lake Trafford were also searched on boat and with divers using sonar equipment. Drones and helicopters were out using infrared sensors trying to pick up any body heat that could be adgy in the areas that weren't considered safe for access by personnel. Volunteers handed out over 50,000 flyers, written in English, Spanish and Creole. The North Naples Fire Control and Rescue combed through all the garbage collected from the community housing neighbourhood that week. We are talking about 20 tonnes of rubbish here but there was no sign of Adji anywhere. It was as if he had vanished into thin air. All 19 sex offenders in the area were questioned, and not only their homes searched, but the homes of their families as well. Only one registered sex offender lived in the village itself, but he had a verifiable alibi for the time Adji went missing. He was at the nearby casino. He was still interviewed twice, but he would be cleared of any suspicion. He is not considered a person of interest at this time. Adji's biological father, Eve Dessa, was also questioned. Law enforcement actually travelled to Haiti to formally interview him. But as I mentioned earlier in this episode, he had very little involvement in Adji's life and he had not left his village in Haiti. There was no evidence Eve had arranged an abduction of his son, and he was too cleared of any involvement in the disappearance. Despite this, the FBI arranged for flyers to be handed out with Adji's information in local schools, 
in the case that maybe a new child appeared at the school who could not speak and matched Adji's description. But to date, there have been no new leads there. We need to make sure that Aji's picture is in everybody's memory and that everybody knows what Aji looks like uh, because that's the thing that's going to lead us to information ultimately. For 53 days, Aji's face has been plastered on posters all over southwest Florida and now it's being seen across the country and beyond. We're expanding our search nationally and internationally. We're placing posters down in Haiti. Um, we're doing everything, everything that we can to find Aji. For Lieutenant Tom Smith, that includes appearing live on shows like Nancy Grace. Tonight is his sixth appearance talking about Aji's case on CNN. It's great to get coverage like Nancy Grace and America's Most Wanted to keep Aji's picture in front of the public and to let the community know that we're still looking for Aji and any information that they've got is very important to us. An America's Most Wanted feature on Saturday generated seven new tips. We've received them from Arkansas and Tennessee and uh, California, just all over the country, um, grocery stores, car sightings, just the, the whole mired uh, gambit of sightings. Still no signs of Aji. While close to 250 tips have been exhausted at this point, Lieutenant Smith says he isn't giving up. Whether or not it's it's tonight, tomorrow, uh, a year from tomorrow, you know, a piece of information that's out there is what's going to be bringing him home. Uh, today is uh, one month and ten days, so his mom don't sleep and the nice family always cry. But maybe national attention will bring the happy ending everyone is hoping. Angie's parents and grandmother did speak to the media via an interpreter. They believed Angie was abducted and they wanted to plead to whoever took him to bring him home safely. Quote, I want this person to give him food. He likes cornflakes, cookies and soup. I know he is somewhere. Please feed him. Unquote. But unfortunately, a missing Haitian boy from a poor family does not equate in viewer numbers, and Adji's story would quickly fade from memory. There have been some scathing editorials written about the difference Adji's disappearance was treated versus another high-profile case from Florida at the time, five-year-old Haley Cummings. A study conducted by the International Communication Association in 2015 found that 33% of missing children are children of colour, but less than a quarter of these children are covered by the mainstream media. To be honest, though, whilst I do agree with that to a point, Haley has had documentaries made about her disappearance. You will find podcasts out there with multiple episodes about the investigation into finding her. But Angie's case was covered by the likes of People magazine, Nancy Grace, America's Most Wanted and Vanished with Beth Halloway. Could more have been done by the media? A hundred percent. But Angie also got more attention than others we have discussed on this podcast. I really think this is one case that wasn't as affected by missing white girl syndrome as others we have talked about. Adji's family have all been cleared of any involvement. I did see some horrible rumours online that Adji was accidentally killed during some voodoo ritual to heal his mental disability, but this is simply not true. Adji's mother, stepfather and grandmother even sat for polygraph tests and they passed. If you watch the media interviews with this family, the emotional anguish on his mother's face, the tears rolling down his grandmother's cheeks, it is truly heartbreaking. 
As a society, we are generally judgmental and wary of cultures and religions we don't understand or aren't educated on. But to create rumours that are potentially damaging for a family that is already suffering so much, it really does more harm than good in any investigation. It has been almost 13 years since Aji was last seen and he has seemingly vanished without a trace. This is a case where there hasn't been as much as even an unconfirmed sighting of him. There are only two theories that are out there. He was either abducted, or he had gotten lost and succumbed to the elements. The Farmer Workers' Village is a very rural area, and the highway going past there is generally only used for produce workers and truckers although the winter season does bring in people to the local casino. Could someone had grabbed him without being noticed by another child and used this highway to make their getaway? Or could have someone within the community been watching and waiting for their opportunity to take one of the neighbourhood children, or Adji in particular, knowing he would shut down and couldn't call for help? But then the argument would be, how did they hide him? Because people began searching very quickly. In January 2011, law enforcement did bring in cadaver dogs to search, and there was a hit in two directions, with one being towards an alligator-infested marsh. I couldn't find anywhere where the other hit was, or even if the scent they found was in relation to Adji. I just don't see how a stranger in a strange vehicle could come into a close-knit community like this one and no one see anything, especially given there was only one entrance and exit along a narrow road. Someone would have seen something. Although the same argument could be had for Adji wandering away on his own. But law enforcement have said they do believe someone from the community is aware of what happened to Adji but they're too scared to speak up in fears of retribution. The second theory is that Angie got upset and wandered off, and either gotten lost and succumbed to the elements, or became victim of one of the many predators in the area. Given the hot and wet environment, a body would decompose very quickly, making recovery all the more difficult. But I cannot help to think if this theory is what happened in this case, then wouldn't there have been some kind of evidence left behind, like a shoe or even a scrap of clothing? But no trace has ever been found. Random abductions by unknown perpetrators. Look, I know we have made a whole podcast surrounding this very possibility, but in reality, it is very unlikely. An autistic child being attracted by swamp waters and succumbing to the elements or being eaten by an alligator This is far more likely. To me, my conclusion is that unfortunately Adji wandered off and likely fell into a canal or into the swampland, perhaps drowning or becoming victim of an alligator. The Florida Everglades are a very unforgiving environment where a small body can disappear very quickly. And Adji was small. He was 3 foot and 45 pounds. There is just no evidence of him being taken. There is no evidence of parental involvement. Combine this with a very dangerous area, environmentally speaking, 
And then we have this mentally disabled child who is unlikely to call out for help, and you have a high possibility, in my opinion, an accidental death that is ultimately no one's fault. Unfortunately, this is what I believed happened to this sweet little boy. Adji's family no longer live in the farmer workers' village. Jessela would move in with Maria and Natal soon after Adji disappeared. Maria was pregnant at the time of Adji's disappearance, and she would give birth in July of 2009 to a healthy and beautiful baby girl, who they named after her big brother. Unfortunately, Jessela would pass away in July 2016 from an ongoing illness she had been battling. Aji Dessa was six years old at the time of his disappearance. He is African-American with black hair and brown eyes. Aji is mentally disabled and at the time of his disappearance, he was almost completely nonverbal. He was last seen wearing a blue t-shirt with thin yellow stripes, blue shorts with pink flamingos down the side and two-tone blue sneakers. If Aji is still alive today, he would have just celebrated his 19th birthday. There is currently a $38,000 reward for any information leading to a resolution in Adji's disappearance. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Adji Dessa, please contact the Collier County Sheriff's Office on 239-793-9300. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode, and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, Please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. We are now on Patreon, so if you are able, please become a patron for as little as $2 a month for early release, ad-free episodes, and starting this month, exclusive Patreon episodes. This week's episode was researched, written, hosted and producted by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Asda Rewards app, you earn pounds, not points, to spend in store and online. Download it now to start building your cash pot and feel like a winner. App and mobile data required. Full terms and conditions at asda.com slash rewards. Selected Asda stores and products subject to availability. Asda pounds must be spent at Asda in store or online. Excludes George.com.